morning. It's good. Thank you so much for your prayers and your support. And I, you know, I can't begin to repay uh, with thanks what all this church has done for me and my family. Um, whether through yard work and meals, through gifts, through cards, through burning your knees up in prayer, I truly thank you. Uh, I believe that God has worked a miracle in my life, and uh, I believe He's going to continue to do so. Now, that being said, I told the doctor I wouldn't get too excited today, and so you see a toned-down version of Chad, but I ask that you continue to pray for me because uh, due to what, what, I've, uh, what, what I've gone through is that I have to uh, have therapy on my arm and my neck, so I don't have all my mobility back. But you know, the longer I speak, the more twisted my words get a little bit, so bear with me. But I'm working on that too. So each day is a step forward, and I'm so grateful for you, and so grateful for the ministries and the churches that have reached out. If people don't believe in the power of prayer, they are severely misguided. So I want to thank you so much for all that you've done. And it's so good to be back and, and be up here today. Uh, it's just great to see all your beautiful faces. For those of you, you joining us, welcome to Living Way Community Church. We are a family that loves the Lord with all our heart, soul, and mind, and we love our neighbors as ourselves. So welcome, and uh, glad that you're here. Also, just wanted to just say, uh, again, uh, continue to, to pray for us each and every day. As y'all know, I'm a man that likes to run my lips. Uh, it has been, you know, it's kind of funny. I want to share the story real quick because as, um, is, is after I got out of surgery that next day, pathology, speech pathology comes in there immediately and, and they want to see me move my tongue and I'm hurting, okay? And I don't feel good and I'm kind of drugged up to say the least. But, uh, I, you know, they said, okay, Mr. Howard, we want to see you, uh, choose some things. I said, really? So they give me some pudding. Hey, I can do this. I can swallow. Then the lady says, well, I got crackers for you to eat. I said, really? But I tell you right now, after about three days, I'd have made $20 just to smell the top of a cracker. <laughs> because those insurers get a little rough after a while. But you know, praise God, and it's good to be back. But this morning, I want to speak to you and, 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 and teach out of the book of John, the Gospel of John, chapter 9, if you have your Bibles. I ask that you turn there with me today. We will be getting back into uh, Revelation next week. So, that's where I brought an interim to that book uh, uh, three weeks ago, or four weeks, three or four weeks ago. We will begin back in it next week. But I wanted to share, if I could, with you a story uh, of Jesus and a great miracle that takes place in, in the book of John. So if you have your Bibles again, turn with me to the book of John and let's read together. Again, if I get mixed up with my words, bear with me because I'm still you know, trying to work this through. But again, it's so great to be back. Uh, the book of John says, let's stand as we read God's Word. God's Word's powerful. As he passed by, he saw a man blind from birth. And his disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he would be born blind? Jesus answered, it was neither that this man sinned nor his parents, but it was so that the works of God may be displayed in him. Or we must work the works of him who sent me uh, as long as it is day. Night is coming when no one can work. 
And while I'm in the world, I am the light of the world. When he had said this, he spat on the ground and made clay of the spittle and applied the clay to his eyes and said to them, Go wash in the pool of Siloam, which is translated sent. He went away and washed and came back seeing. Therefore the neighbors and those who previously saw him as a beggar were saying, Not not this the one who used to sit and beg. Others were saying, This is he. Still others were saying, No, but it is like him. He kept saying, I am the one. So they were saying to him, How then were your eyes opened? And he answered, The man who is called Jesus made clay, and he anointed my eyes, and he said to me, Go to Siloam and wash. So I went away and washed, and I received sight. Uh, They said to him, Where is he? He said, I do not know. They brought him to the Pharisees, the man who was formerly blind. Now it was on the now it was a Sabbath on the day when Jesus made the clay and opened his eyes. When the Pharisees also were asking him again how he received his sight, he said to them, <clears throat> He applied clay to my eyes, and I washed, and I see. And therefore some of the Pharisees were saying, This man is not from God, because he does not keep the Sabbath. But others were saying, How can a man who is a sinner perform such things? Signs. And there was a division among them. So they said to the blind man again, What do you say about him since he opened your eyes? This is beautiful. He said he is a prophet. The Jews then did not believe it of him. That he had been blind and had received sight until they called his parents and the very one who had received his sight and questioned him saying, Is this your son who you say was born blind? Then how does he now see? His parents said to them, We know that this is our son and that he was born blind. But how he now sees, we do not know. Or who opened his eyes, we do not know. Ask him. He is of age. He'll speak for himself. His parents said this because they were afraid of the Jews. For the Jews had already agreed that if anyone confessed him to be Christ, he was to be put out of the synagogue. For this reason, his parents said, he is of age. Ask him. So a second time they called the man who had been blind, and said to him, Give glory to God. We know that this man is a sinner. Now listen. He answered and said, Whether he is a sinner, I don't know. But one thing I do know, that though I was blind, now I see. So they said to him, What did he do to you? How did he open your eyes? He said, I told you already. You did not listen. Why? Do you want to hear it again? You don't want to become his disciples too, do you? I love this. The New Testament's first smart aleck. Let us pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank You for this day. God, we thank You for the miracle of sight. And God, I pray that You be glorified in all things. And all God's people said, You may be seated. Now as we go through this text, I want to look at a few things this morning and, and, and not get away from the, from the root of where I want to go. But I want you to look at this first slide with me. Now here's a man who was born blind. Now this is very important that we we see this, so so go with me on it. This man has been born blind all of his life, okay? He cannot see. Now there is no safety nets for this man. Now here where we live in America, there's programs for people who have issues at times and they have to seek help, and a lot of times they provide it. This kind of reminds me of my son when he lived in India for a couple of summers. He said, Daddy... When people die there, they just leave them dead on the street. Orphans, there's nowhere for them to go. So that's why most of them become prostitutes. 
because they pour them out into the street. There's no safety net. There's no help. So this man, in context of what is going on, is not only blind, but he's a beggar. Why? Because he has no help. He is blind. Now what happens, Jesus walks by, and something that is very common, and this is what I want to make on a side note apart from the sermon this morning. Something happens to this man, which a lot of us, and I guarantee you some of you sitting here today, have done this yourself. When his disciples see this man that is born blind, they ask him, Rabbi, who sinned him or his parents that he may be this way? Now, I want you to go with me on this for a few moments. Again, I'm not going to take away from the root of the message, but I think this is an important thing that we need to draw out this morning. Just because somebody is going through an ailment, trial, or tribulation does not mean they're in sin. Now, I need you to hear this clearly. So many times we like to judge and and we say, well, you know, probably the way they're living is the way they're going through. Not necessarily. Now, the Bible tells me in Hebrews that God disciplines those He loves. Okay? He does. So the first person that when you are going through something you need to look at is yourself. Now, I'll be honest with you that. I'm not going to sugarcoat that for you. You always need to look at your heart to see if you're living a, a life that is rebellious against Christ. If you're a born-again believer and you're living in, sin, living in sin, there is consequences to sin. And you may be, be a result or recipient of things. But understand that just because somebody's going through something does not mean that they are living in a sinful life, nor are they having problems in their life that you may see that is causing this. That's being the same way as Job's comforters. Remember in the book of Job, the man did nothing. But the whole book of Job is written that God will show you that God is vindicating his name. You need to see this. Things happen. People have issues. And it makes me so sick to this day that here this health, wealth, prosperity junk, Jesus never promised you you would be wealthy. And I can promise you he would never promise you you would be healthy. I know this. There's none of you promised that you're not going to face trials. But just because you do does not mean it's something you've done, but that God would be glorified through it. Okay? So who sinned, this man or his parents? Neither. But what I want you to see as we bring it to the root of the text is there is a blindness that is brought on by this that we're all guilty of. You see, you and I are all born blind. What this story is, is a beautiful illustration that Jesus has taken a man that's born blind from birth. And it's not because of specific sin, because of universal sin. The Bible tells us very clearly in Romans 1.18, For the wrath of God is being revealed against all men in all unrighteousness who suppress the truth in their unrighteousness. Which means this, every one of you is born blind. Every one of you are born dead. And what happens here is Jesus comes along and as He takes a man who has been blind from birth and gives him sight, let it be an illustration that only Jesus Christ can open up the eyes of a blind man. Every one of us are spiritually blind because we're spiritually dead. 
We're all sinners and come short of the glory of God. It's not a specific sin. It's not a lifestyle that we have. But our lifestyle is reflected because of what's in our heart. And what's in our heart is rebellion against the Word of God. Therefore, we're all dead. But yet Jesus Christ in all His glory and all His mercy can open the eyes. If you remember, the Bible tells me in the book of John also about Lazarus who Lazarus was in the tomb and Lazarus was dead. But Jesus said, come forth Lazarus. And Lazarus arose from the dead. Why did he arise? Because only Jesus can make dead men live. Amen? He said, it was neither this man that sinned nor his parents, but it was so the works of God might be displayed in him. So we must work the works of him who sent me as long as it is day. For night is coming when no one can work. And while I'm in the world, I am the light of the world. Jesus is the light of the world. In a world where we've seen this week that people are in upheaval, people are in hatred because of Roe versus Wade, because of all this is going on in the world, I have told you as I've been going through the book of Revelation, understand that the message of the cross is foolishness to them that perish. Lost people act like lost people. I'm so ashamed that I see Christians that say they're pro-life, pro-life, or I'm sorry, pro-choice. Pro-choice and Christians should not belong in the same sentence. And that's a hill that I'll die on. Because the Bible tells me that God is the originator of life. Who am I to take it? You see, everybody is created in the image of Almighty God. And He is the controller. And He is the ruler of His universe. And what His Word says is true. And you say, well, why do people say these things if they believe in God and they, they believe in this pro-choice? Or why does the world hate? Because they hate Christ. What Jesus is saying is why He is in the world. He is the light of the world. Jesus is light. And the reason people hate Jesus is because He is light. Men love darkness rather than they light. love light. And they're going to hate you because they hate Christ if you're Christ. But bear with me. The Bible says that He's wise in the light of the wise in the world. He is the light of the world. And when He had said this, He spit on the ground and made some clay. Now go with me on this. Now if you've ever done any history, just like the Jews, Jews at this time were questioning because they believed that punishment was in correlation to one sin, They also believed that Jesus had broke the Sabbath. Why? Because it's illegal to build on the Sabbath. Okay? It's illegal to build. You you can't do that. That's against the law. So Jesus did something he wasn't supposed to do. But understand this that they were following their law. Jesus wrote the law. Jesus is superior to the law. Jesus is the orchestrator of all things. That law did not make these people righteous people. It revealed how sinful they were. So he makes clay. And he puts it on his eyes. And so went away, he washed and came back seeing. Now I want you to think about this. Once you have had your eyes opened up to Jesus Christ, you're going to get a lot of responses from a lot of people. Now this is interesting to me, because what happens is a person that is blind is not what? He is destitute. He can't see. This man couldn't see. Number two, he was totally dependent on others. You ever thought about that? 
He was dependent on everybody else except God. He had to have others come to His rescue and help. You see, that's just like the lost world, people. We depend on everything else to bring us satisfaction. We, just, we depend on everything else to bring us healing. We depend on everything else to, to make things better. We feel if we have enough money, that'll get me out of debt or get me out of trouble. We feel that we're healthy enough, we'll, do able, we'll be able to accomplish more things. We, we feel that if we can have certain things or certain items, that we're blessed. But let me tell you something. Your dependence must be on Christ. I have learned through my life total dependence on Christ is a lot greater than dependence on men because you will let me down and I will let you down. Christ has never let me down. For the man whose eyes were opened up by Christ, he now could see. So his dependence shifts. Look what it says. But they were those who were saying, is this man that used to be a beggar? Now again, I want you to look at the results of different people in this text. They are those who were astonished. They were those who were skeptical. But yet they were those who believe. Now bear with me as I go through this a little bit. Understand that even in your life, let me give my testimony as an example. I have not always been the happy Chad that y'all know. I have done a lot of things in my life. Now I wouldn't be considered rough in the human standards. But let me tell you something, I don't care how good you are compared to human standards, you're all lost compared to God's standards without Christ. Okay? So that being said, I never will forget that when I was living in Pennsylvania on our first time, I, I was pastoring a church called New Hope Church in, in, in Middleburg, Pennsylvania. And that's when Facebook had just came out in 2008. And it's the craze, man, everybody's on Facebook. And, and my wife's making, well, I was actually, she's the first one that got on it, and I was making fun of it, and here I am on it. But anyway, side point. <clears throat> but, but a friend of mine that I went to school with happened to be the wrestling coach at Bucknell University. And Bucknell University was probably 40 minutes from where I live. Probably not even that far. Maybe 30 minutes, and I seen that. And I said, man, this is phenomenal. So I sent him a text or a message on this messenger thing. I said, Man, this is Chad Howard. Remember me? I played football with you. I wasn't good at it, but you... He said, yeah, I remember you. And he says, what are you doing? I said, well, I live in Pennsylvania now. I live right up the street from you. He said, what? What are you doing in Pennsylvania? And I said, I'm a pastor. And I hit send. About 10 minutes later, he replied, wow. Christ changed me. And I can promise you that even in your life, there will be those that are skeptical that Christ has made a difference in your life. People may not believe it. Then you'll have those that are astonished in, in, in your testimony, but you'll also have those that are skeptical, like I said, but then those that are amazed at, wow, look what Christ has made a difference in their lives. You see, not everybody is going to believe I'm walking down the stairs. I can do this. Not everybody is going to believe that Christ has made a difference in your life. Not everybody is going to believe what you have to say. But I can tell you this, and bear with me please, that if Christ has made a difference in your life, whether people believe or not, you live for an audience of one and let Him take the results. You see what happens to this man 
is His eyes are opened. Now, people are astonished, they're skeptical, but some believe. But here this man is, now the religious, now this is what gets me with this text. The religious are the ones that are most skeptical of Him. You ever thought about that? Here are the ones that says, give your glory to God. This man's a sinner. His response is so beautiful. Whether he's a sinner or not, I don't know. But what I do know is I was blind and now I see. Jesus made a difference in his life. And that's why I continually tell you that if you have been impacted by Jesus Christ, your eyes have been opened. You cannot be impacted by Jesus Christ and be the same. I tell people so often that what you will find about the New Testament's first smart aleck is he has a testimony. And please listen to me clearly on this. If you are a born-again believer in Jesus Christ, you have a testimony. Now bear with me. Now I know a lot of people says, I used to be an axe murderer, I used to do this, or I was this and this, and God saved me. Please understand that it's not about your story or the things that you've done that makes you saved. It's knowing that in your life, regardless of what you've done, that you were lost and were in need of a Savior that tells your story of how you're saved. Not every one of us has gone down the same path. But see, the world judges our morality. The world sets what we think is right and what's wrong because they, they run from God. But the Word of God says us that there's no one righteous. No, not one. And whether you're a generally good person that's never uttered a word of profanity, or whether you're the harmless human that walked the face of the earth, Christ saves. And regardless of where you stand in the world's eyes, we're all deserving of hell. But this man that was born blind is an illustration of this world that is spiritually blind. And we've been blind from birth. And look what it says. He says, he kept saying, I am the one. And they were saying to him, how then were your eyes opened? He answered, the man who is called Jesus made clay and anointed my eyes and said to me, go and wash. And I went away and washed and I received sight. And they said to him, where is he? He says, I don't know. And then they brought the Pharisees, the religious to this man. It was on the Sabbath. And here's the thing. They were more concerned about Jesus breaking one of their laws than this man having sight. They were more concerned about what Jesus, they think, didn't do instead of what He did do. That's the world for you. They suppress the truth because they're looking for different things. Be encouraged, brothers and sisters. In this world that we live in, it's an evil world. And I started to put something on face gossip last night to make a point. I started to put, you know, now maybe you will understand why Jesus said narrow is the path that leads to righteousness and few find it. Do you not see the world that we live in? Where the world is fighting so much because babies are going to live? The world is spiritually blind, people. Just like this man. Just like you. You were born dead. And dead men can't see. 
But thanks be to God and His great riches and mercy, He opened your eyes if you're a believer. And now that you see. And the Pharisees in verse 15 were also asking Him and He received His sight and they said to them, He applied clay to my eyes. Therefore some of the Pharisees were saying, This man is not from God because he does not keep the Sabbath. God made the Sabbath. Do you hear me? God made the Sabbath. One thing that we have a hard time understanding, and this is, goes back to my original discussion that I was talking about when people say that, you know, you're the reason you're in this kind of position. I think a lot of times we want to be God for people. You know, I think a lot of times we want to, you know, say, you know what? I want to speak for God. How many times have we done that? That we want to be God's voice. One thing that used to drive me crazy, and it still does, you, this may offend you, not, not intentionally, but here it is. I can't stand going down the, uh, the road and see these signs that says, don't make me come down there, and it shows God. I always see these little cute little sayings on the side of the highway, and it says God under. Let me tell you something, make this perfectly clear. Before you say God says it, you better make sure He said it. Period. But this man does not keep the Sabbath. The others were saying, how can a man who is a sinner perform such signs? See, their eyes were blind. And what, there was division among them. Now, I want to give something else in this context too. Christ will bring division. You say, well, what do you mean? Christ is a peacemaker. Ah, He will bring you peace, but He will divide men. Why will He divide men? Because not everybody will believe who Christ is. He will divide families. He will divide friends. There's a division among these. Why? Because they didn't believe what they had saw. Some believed, some didn't. Have you ever noticed this, as the words of Leonard Ravenhill, if they could not get along with the holiest man that ever walked the face of the earth, how, what makes you think they're going to get along with you? Christ divides. And he was called a sinner. So they said to him, verse 17, the blind man again, what do you say about him since he opened your eyes? This is great. He's a prophet. Then the Jews did not believe of him, they, that he had been blind and received sight. And they called his parents. Have you, I want you to understand something else that you'll find in this text. And I've said this, and those of you who've, who've been here around me for the past two and a half years, you've heard me say this quite often. But I get so tired of people telling me, if I saw a miracle, I would believe. Well, I've told a lot of people that I'm a miracle, but they haven't believed yet. God still performs miracles. And I think so many times we forget what God's doing. Now, He may change that in the three months or four months. He may. But what I do know is I was sick and now I'm walking up here with you. This man was blind, but then he saw. But people still not believe. Let me assure you that regardless if you see a miracle or if you performed one, if God give you that ability... If God give even that's another story for another day, trust me. God's one performs miracles. I'll get into that later. Theology 101. So anyway, but, but let me let me tell you this. 
I've said it time and time again. Please listen. The Jews saw Moses part the waters. The Jews saw bread fall from the heavens. The Jews saw water pour out before them. And only two entered in the promised land because they regretted the time that they left Egypt. Just because you see the waters part does not believe, mean everybody's going to believe. But what this man believed is because he was touched personally by Jesus. Regardless of what anybody says about your life, if Christ has made a difference, then you let Christ take care of the results. Not everybody's going to believe. But I know what he did in my life, and I know what he did in this man, and you know what he's done in yours. And I want you to look at another part of this as we're going to bring this to a close. They question him in verse 19. They question his parents. Is, is this not the child was born blind? His parents said, yeah, ask him. See, they were a little afraid. He's of age, ask him. So I don't know how age is, old this person was. But what I do know is this. People acknowledged the fact that he was blind. They told him to speak for himself. His parents were afraid of the Jews, it said. had already agreed that if anyone confessed him to be Christ... He was to be put out of the synagogue. Isn't that amazing? The place that they should be worshiping God, they'll kick you out for worshiping God. The blind world. You said, Chad, that sounds crazy to me, is it? Do you know that churches are kicking people out if they believe in a man and woman being married? Did you know that? Because we're to be tolerant and acceptable of all people? I'll tell you this, and this is a side note for everybody, but let me make this perfectly clear. Anybody that comes in this church, wherever they're standing in this world, they're welcome to hear the Word of God. And they'll be welcomed by us and we'll love them in Christ. But I tell you this, I will not stand on sin. And if it comes a time where I become tolerant of sinfulness... And accepting of anything contrary to the Word of God, I beg you now, run me out. Because listen, we know that everybody is created in the image of Almighty God. And we're to love them and share the gospel of Christ. We should never mistreat anybody regardless of their status. Do you hear me? Whether this person is a liar, a killer, a homosexual, whether they're an adulterer, whatever. We were all blind in need of Christ, and they are welcome to come to this church and hear the Word of God. But to be a part of this church, they have to believe in Jesus Christ. And they have to believe that God's Word is final. You say, these things don't happen kicking you out. Yes, they do. There are many people being shunned because they believe that Christ is the Almighty God and His Word is old-fashioned, they say. These apply to things a long time ago. Let me tell you something. If there is a moral law, they must be a moral lawgiver. And if there is a moral lawgiver, His name is Jesus Christ, God Almighty. And His Word is final regardless of what people think. I will tell you now as I preach to each one of you today, there is coming a time in this world where you will be shunned for what you believe. And trust me, you will see that narrow road beginning to get thinner. It's happening now. But understand this, just like Christ 
gives spiritual awareness to a dead man, He has made a change in your life too if you're a believer. And regardless of what happens in this world, please also understand this, that there's nothing can separate you from the love of Christ. This world is temporary, but Christ is forever. His parents, for this reason, his parents said he is of age. Ask him. So the second time they said, is this a man that had been blind? They said to him, give glory to God. We know that this man is a sinner. They automatically attribute this miracle to sin. It's very interesting to me. Then he said, whether he's a sinner, I don't know. But one thing I do know is I was blind and now I see. You see, the thing that I tell often people that knew me many years ago, some have been surprised that Christ has saved me, more surprised that Christ called me to preach. But I will tell you this, what happened to me is personal to me, and ain't nobody can argue with that. Because I know what God did in my life. What God did in this man's life He said, I can't tell you who Jesus was. I can't tell you who Jesus is. But I can tell you what Jesus done. And it made a difference in his life. So verse 26 says, So they said to him, What did he do to you? And he opened your eyes. Excuse me. He answered him, I already told you. And you don't listen. This is another little side point I want to bring out too. No matter how many times you try to convince people to believe, unless God opens their eyes, they ain't going to believe, people. And I want to stop on this for a few minutes because this is very important. You do not have the power to raise somebody from the dead. You don't have the power to open the eyes of the blind. You cannot save a soul. It used to aggravate me a little bit. You see, I've never been one of these pastors that goes around putting notches on my calendar of all the people I've had the privilege to baptize or all the people I've had the privilege to share the gospel to. That is not for my glory. And I want you to hear this real quick. That it should be no pastor's glory. We don't save a soul. God uses us as instruments, every one of us, to share the good news. He deals with the results. It's up to Christ. He said, you don't listen. You're not hearing me. It don't matter. Because you're not going to believe. I told you. And this is the thing. You and your efforts will never save that lost person that's in your family. That's in your circle of friends. That's in your workplace. You're not going to do it. But if you pray continuously for that human being, that God use you as His instrument for His glory, never, never, never give up. Because I can promise you, and she will tell you, that there was a many a times friends would call and pray with my wife that I would be saved. They never give up on me. And she prayed for me. And they prayed for me continuously. And God in His rich grace and mercy saved me. Never give up. You can't do it. But be obedient to God and you pray in faith that God would use you as an instrument and not a deterrent. Amen? I told you already and you didn't listen. What do you? Why do you want to hear it? Do you want to become His disciple too? 
<laughs> I will accept his smart answer because I thought it was appropriate. You come at me with questions that are stupid. I come at you with a fact and you still don't believe because you were blind. Let me assure you, brothers and sisters, that this man, some of you may say, well, I don't understand why he had to be born blind and live all these years for this moment in time for God to reveal His glory. And I want to address that because that question is asking me often. I'm going to tell you why. Because we have a skewed vision of God. Let me give you an example. We're have, we have a finite mind. Now, all of you, and you know, let me, let me just ask you a general question. Have you ever thought about eternity? I would hope you'd say yes. A lot of times, and most of the time, or all the time, we can't comprehend it, can we? Because everything in our life comes to an end. Think about it. Flowers die. The grass dies. That house that you own, we were talking about this the other day when you somebody had passed away and they were having an auction. All those things that you own one day, somebody else will own. That that you paid $500 for, somebody would give 50 cents for at a yard sale. That's reality. Everything that we know comes to an end, even life itself in our eyes. We can't comprehend eternity. We have faith that God's going to take care of the results. I know who holds eternity. But I can't, I can't in my mind, my finite mind, comprehend eternity. But I'm not God. And see, this is the point that I want to make to you. Just like Job's friends tried to justify why he was going through this, God used Job for his glory. And he would tell Job that in this, in, in, in chapters 38, 39, if you will, who are you? I'm the one that causes the oceans to come this far. I'm the one that makes the sun rise. I'm the one that makes the moon come up. Everything that happens is because of me, Job. I do this. You were created for my glory. I wasn't created for yours. That being said, that everything that we go through, whether it be death and you've been affected by it, whether it be sickness, we've been affected by it, whether it be the uh, divorce, whether it be the loss of a child, whether it be the loss of a job. We don't understand. And a lot of times we question God why these things happen. Why did He let us go through this? Why? I do not understand. Well, having a finite mind means that we can't understand why God does what He does. You see, one of the things that we struggle with is that we all have tunnel vision. We see things our way. But God sees things that you don't. He knows things that you don't know. The Bible tells me in 1 Peter chapter 1, 3-9 through that right now we have been distressed by fire of trials which will refine us and will grow us closer to God. That's why James says in chapter 1, consider it a joy to go through trials, that everything that you go through will grow you. That's why Romans tells us that God causes all things to work for the good 
for those that love Him. It's been a call according to His purpose. God never promised you to change your circumstances. You can't get those loved ones back. You know this. You You can't change what has happened. But going through these trials and tribulations refines us to grow us closer to Jesus Christ. And God will receive His glory because we were created for His glory and He wasn't created for ours. You see, what happens is we like to make God in our own image. God's a good God as long as He does what we tell Him to do. Now, am I wrong? God's a great God, praise God. I got that new job, I got that new car, I got a raise, I got more money than whatever. But when all that's taken away, why are you doing this, God? Because it goes back to the first part of this sermon. Listen, where we depend on other things instead of totally depending on God and understand that there's some things that I'm never going to understand. I can't tell you how many times I've been asked why. I can't tell you that. But what I can tell you is to put faith in the one who does know. We may not know this side of eternity why God does what He does, but I promise you this, there's no blessed person to put your faith in who holds eternity. Amen? So I want to encourage you this morning that if you are blind, only Christ is going to open your eyes. If you've never put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ and turned from your sin and committed to following Him, you're blind. You see, the Bible tells me that for God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that who would ever believe in Him would not perish but have everlasting life. I want you to listen to what the verse says as Jesus is closing His discourse with Nicodemus who was a very religious man. He says, believe in Me, not believe in that Me. You see, there's a big difference. There's a lot of people that believe in Jesus or believe that Jesus. The Bible tells me the sons of Sceva tried to cast out the demon. And the demons, he said, come out in the name of Jesus who Paul preaches about. The Bible tells me. It says, I know Jesus. We know Jesus. We've heard of Paul, but who are you? James tells us that demons believe and tremble. It's one thing to know Jesus, but does Jesus know you? And the difference in believing in instead of believing that is you've committed to Christ with all aspects of your being and you've turned from sin and turned to following Him. Because living in sin and calling yourself a believer is contradictory. One of the words that shakes me to the core is carnal Christianity. Carnal and Christianity do not go in the same sentence. There will be times when we have carnality, but I can promise you this. If you have Christ and the Holy Spirit lives within you, you know your misery of your sin and you will come back. If you get off the road, the Holy Spirit puts you back on it. If you live in total rebellion against the Word of God and live in total sin, then you don't know Christ. But those of you who have been born again, who have placed your faith and trust in Jesus Christ, whose eyes have been opened, you need to be like the blind man and tell everybody that you can see. See, that's another part I want to bring out to this real quickly. Is it one thing about the blind man, what did he tell everybody? I can see. There's no way that you can be impacted by Jesus Christ and not want to tell somebody else. You know, and there again, just like this man ran off and tell people he could see, 
Not everybody's going to believe. Not everybody's going to agree with you. But I can promise you this. You live faithfully to what God's called you to do and let Him take care of the results. I promise you, He will. Amen? Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank You for this day. We thank You for Your grace and mercy. God, I thank You so much for giving me the ability to be up here in front of these beautiful people. God, thank You so much for this church. Thank You so much for these uh, churches around us and these families and these ministries, God, that You have used for Your glory. And God, I am a recipient of Your mercy, that which I did not deserve, just like the rest of us, You give me freely. God, may I, may I never cease to be quiet sharing the good news of Your Son. Lord, we thank You for all that You've done. We thank You for all that You're going to do. God, we celebrate this week the things that You're doing. Lord, and there's division amongst, amongst people. There's a division amongst those that call themselves Christians. But God, what we do know is Your Word is life. And Your Word speaks life. And regardless of what people say or do, whether they believe in us or not, Lord, we believe that You still work miracles and can save lives. One of the greatest miracles I believe is uh, Paris Reedhead said, that Lord, You can take an evil man and save him out of this world and put him back in this world and sustain him amongst evil people. That's a miracle within itself. But God, that's the power of Your Holy Spirit. That's the power that You give those who believe. And God, I pray today, if there's not one that has made a profession of faith, who You do not know, Lord, that they would confess You before it's eternally too late. Lord, we're not guaranteed tomorrow. But what we are guaranteed is whatever happens tomorrow, for those who place their faith and trust in You, You will hold them in Your hand and nothing shall separate us from the love of God. Lord, we love You and praise You. And all God's people said, Amen. stand and worship with us.